Welcome to the top three podcasts for entrepreneurs, your place to get the very best tips, tricks, and tactics from today's most successful entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the top three podcast for entrepreneurs. This is Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO. And today with me, I have Denise Leone, a brand strategist. Uh, Denise has been blending a fresh perspective, 25 years of experience working with world-class brands, including Sony and Frito-Lay, and she has a talent for inspiring audiences. Denise is a leading authority on building and positioning exceptional brands, and she's the author of the brand new book, What Great Brands Do, The Seven Brand Building Principles That Separate the Brand from the Rest, which is actually in the Chic CEO Books We Love section. So excited to have you today, Denise. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me to be with you, Stephanie. Of course. So we gave a little bit of background on you. Can you just tell us more about you and fill us in on who you are and how you got here? Sure. Um, Right now, I'm an independent consultant, speaker, writer, and I've been doing this now for um, a little over 10 years. So it's been quite a while being independent. Um, Prior to that, I had about 15 years of experience working in various corporate and agency positions. Very nice. And you and I worked together a little bit at Bulldog Drummond, which is a Uh, innovation consultancy here in San Diego and you were very integral in some big projects that we had today or that we worked on together so I was really really excited to uh, bring you on and talk to you because you were extremely extremely talented so today we're going to talk about um, your top top three tips in building a brand and before we do that I want to talk about your success quote something that you live by every day can you tell us what that is Yes, it is feel the fear and do it anyway. And I have to apologize because that's actually been the title of a book that someone gave me a long time ago. And frankly, I don't remember who wrote the book and I don't even think I read the book itself, but the title really stuck with me because I think so many times we are, we have the opportunity to do things that are scary and we, and we, allow the fear to prevent us from doing it. And so what I try to do is to say, hey, it's okay to be afraid, but go ahead and do it anyway, because the rewards are going to be so much better than the fear that you're feeling now. I was actually having the same conversation with someone last night about going after the hard thing, going after your dream and how scary that can be, or you can just kind of be safe and, and, you know, either work your nine to five or don't go after what you really, really want to achieve. But it is so much scarier to me to sit on the sideline and regret not trying than trying and failing. So I love that quote. I think it's um, <laughs> extremely appropriate, especially especially for our audience. <clears throat> so tell us a surprising secret about you to, to give us a little insight into who Denise is. Yeah. So um, when I was a child, I danced ballet with a professional ballet company. So from like the ages of, I think like four to 14. And um, so very few people know that, but actually maybe probably what is a, a juicier secret to build on to that is that I currently still take dance lessons. 
You do. That's fun. <laughs> um, so I take you know contemporary dance. So if you like wash, so you think you can dance, it's that kind of contemporary dance style. And I am Stephanie. I am horrible at it now. I mean, you know, my body does not do what it did when I was ten years old. Um, but I I love it, and um, it is a little bit of feel the fear and do it anyway. Like every day, every time I go to my class, I'm I'm probably like the worst person in the class, and it's scary to kind of put myself out. There. There, but I love it and I feel like I grow so much every time I take a class and um, and do what I love to do which is dance I think that's so important to connect <laughs> back to what what you tr- one of your true talents I my childhood dream was to be an opera singer mm. and a lot of people don't know that either and I went to school for vocal music performance and if I get the opportunity to sing even today it's really scary now where it was <laughs> you know and it's it's like right. you could tell I kind of used to be good at one point you know <laughs> so I, I totally get that so today we're going to talk about your top three tips for defining your brand and the first tip you have for us is start brand building by cultivating a strong internal brand-led culture. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, you know, a lot of times when people think about building a brand, they jump immediately to the external expressions of a brand. Like, oh, I need to have a really creative looking logo, or I need to have a catchy name, or I need to launch PR or social media or advertising. And all of those elements are extremely important to establishing a brand, but I would suggest that they come after you start inside. And, and what you want to do is develop a strong culture inside your company, and sometimes it just might be yourself or it might be you and a partner, but to have a very clear purpose, mission, values, um, have clarity on, on what your competitive positioning is and how you want to do business and really cultivate that understanding, that brand understanding inside your organization so that all of the decisions you make, not just how you express your brand, but what products and services you offer and how you price them and where you sell them and and what customers you target, all of those decisions will be made through that brand lens. So instead of starting external, start inside and cultivate a strong brand-led culture. Can you give us an example of one of the clients that maybe you've worked with where you've implemented this and seen a big change? Um, well, yeah, actually, um, maybe a good example would be Jack in the Box restaurants. And this is actually a project that I did end up working with Bulldog Drummond on, the, mm-hmm. the information from you are talking about before. Um, and so, um, you know, and this was only recently. So Jack in the Box had had an established brand um, and actually it, I think it had a great brand image from the standpoint of this cool funny uh, Jack CEO character with a big white ball head he was he was convention breaking bold um, like I said he was kind of funny in advertising and so from an external standpoint I feel like you know most people would say Jack and Musk had a great image but from kind of more of an internal standpoint like what they actually did the restaurant experience um, the products they serve, the way that, that they serve them was not aligned with that image. And so a lot of the work that we ended up doing was bringing focus and alignment internally so that everyone in the organization understood their role 
or understood the brand and what it stood for, and then they understood their role in interpreting and reinforcing that so that it wasn't just, oh, yes, the advertising can, can say one thing about Jack in the Box, but then we do something else, but rather everything that the company does and every aspect is aligned around that brand personality and brand positioning. I love that. So start from the inside out. Yes. Excellent. So the second tip you have for defining your brand is avoid selling products. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and that surprises a lot of people because people are like, aren't we, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? You know, we're almost supposed to be having a business where we sell stuff. And certainly there is a there is a transaction that happens where, you know, you someone pays money for something that you give them or, you know, some sort of transaction like that. But what I observed when I um, looked at great brands and I looked at a range not only of some of the world's greatest brands like you know Amazon and Starbucks and Apple but also some emerging brands that seem to be developing very powerful profitable brands um, like Shake Shack the burger and shake chain chain in New York what I discovered is that they don't really sell products they are um, appealing to people's emotions and um, almost seducing them with an emotional appeal that is about being a part of the brand, being part of the community, um, you know, uh, experiencing and expressing an identity by using this product and being a part of the brand. And then, oh yeah, by the way, here's this product that we're, that you're actually going to buy. And so. I, that really suggested to me that the way that you not only differentiate but then also develop sustainable, valuable customer relationships sometimes has very little to do with the actual product and the, the features and the claims and the technology you have and has a lot more to do with how you appeal to people and how you connect with them and invite them to be a part of your brand. So that's why I say almost kind of avoid selling product, figure out what business are you really in. And a lot of times that will take you to a kind of a higher level of engagement with your customers. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, a brand that really sticks out in my mind when you talk about this and, you know, they've kind of had some of their struggles lately, but is Lululemon. Mm-hmm. They, they really cultivated a customer uh, love that is almost unmatched. I've, you know, ever seen they've, and, and on a local level too, which was super interesting to watch. So, yeah, through, you know, through their brand ambassador program, where you know, shopping or being in the Lululemon store, you, know, you certainly could shop for their products. But then, you know, you also take a yoga class. You also interact with people who are into yoga and other activities that you're interested in. And so, it becomes much more of this kind of um, whole life, whole being, whole relationship that you have with the brand as opposed to I need this bra top and I'm you know, I'm gonna pay fifty dollars for it. You know, it's it's very different and I think that's why brands that um, have become so successful do that. They avoid selling the product. Yeah, I love that. That's a great point. Um, cool. So the next tip, your third tip is don't chase customers. What does that mean? <laughs> so, and actually, it's it's good that you brought up Lululemon because I think that, I, I, and I talk about them in my book as an example of not chasing customers because they have always been, I think, um, you know, very clear about what they stand for and, um, you know, they're priced at a price point uh, that they're not for everyone and um, they don't 
kind of squander their brand equity trying to chase after everybody and try to appeal to everyone. Rather, they stand very clearly for innovation and style and, and this kind of community that you're being a part of. And then they attract people to their brand who have similar values and, you know, who are kind of like-minded. And that's what other great brands do as well. They, they understand that people find tremendous value in brands that they can decide, yes, I believe in them and I want to be a part of them and I, you know, want to buy their products or no, that's not a brand for me. And I think, you know, um, it's so much more effective to, to, uh, be be focused about who you're for and then who you're not for and be willing to be okay with not going after everyone. Right, drawing that line in the sand. That's actually easier yeah. for your customer to say, yes, that's for me, no, that's not for me, instead of a gray area in the middle. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when I was doing research, because I, I do a lot of speaking on, on the topic of what great, what great brands do, and I was researching co how companies operationalize this idea of not chasing customers and I came across like a bunch of um, web developers and web agencies that all are very do this very well where they'll have a page on their website that basically says this is who we are and these are the kind of clients we are perfect for and these are the clients that we just aren't interested in working with and there's a little bit of hubris and you know a little bit like you have to kind of be like okay with that personality but what it does is it helps you decide okay when the next time I want to build a website do I want to work with these guys or not so I think even the smallest companies I'm sure that you know, some of these agencies are you know two guys in a garage you know working on their but even these two guys in a garage believe so strongly in the kind of work that they want to do that they're willing to say, you know, we're not for you. And I think that it takes discipline and courage, but ultimately it pays off. Right. So you said something interesting that, you know, because I've known you for a while now, I've heard you say before, which I absolutely love, is you talk about operationalizing a brand mm -hmm. and really putting it into practice and when people think about branding they never really think about how to operationalize that can you expand on that point just a little bit for us mm -hmm. well you know I contrast operationalize with expression so uh, or express so as I said before like you know your, your logo and tagline and advertising express your brand but really what you need to do is operationalize it you need to drive it into your business and so um, I usually see great brands do that in three ways. One is this culture piece that we started talking off with where they really um, bring to life their brand and their culture and the way that they engage and treat and motivate and reward their employees. Then there's the operations piece where it, when you are designing your product development systems, when you're designing your supply chain, when you're designing your, your uh, distribution and your sales strategy, all of that needs to be done through this filter of your brand so you are actually operationalizing the different aspects of your brand in those parts of your business. So there's culture, then operations, and then customer experience. Looking at your the different customer experiences that you offer and aligning every touch point within those customer experiences with your brand is another way that you operationalize your brand so that your brand isn't just a message or an image you promote but it's actually what you deliver in every way that a customer comes in contact with you right that's that's a really interesting 
and really important part, in my opinion, of branding. Um, Chic CEO, we did a, a conference last summer called the Solve Conference, and mm. we really made sure that the experience that our users had when they came was definitely chic. So, yes. you know, every uh, touch point they have with our brand, we want to emanate not only just business information, but really this chicness about it. So I, I love that. Um, you, I've heard you talk about that before, and I think that's a really interesting and important aspect of um, of branding. So thank you for bringing that up. Oh, well, and, you know, I think it's great to hear stories like yours where it really makes a difference in how you run your business. So that's great. Yeah, I love it. So I want to, now we always ask in our interviews for a book recommendation for our entrepreneurs. So tell us, obviously, please tell us more about your book and then give us another recommendation if you can. Yeah. So my book is called What Great Brands Do. And if you go to whatgreatbrandsdo.com, um, you can learn more about the book. You can have links, you access links where you can you know purchase it, hardcover, audible, and um, ebook. Um, but then you also access, can access um, some of the templates and exercises and worksheets that I have in my book. Um, and so it's a great resource. And and um, it really was intended for all business leaders and entrepreneurs. So I hope that you'll check it out. But I have to also recommend um, a book called Eating the Big Fish by Adam Morgan. And it's a book that, that he wrote a long time ago. I want to say uh, maybe 15 years ago, maybe even longer than that. And, and, and I believe he's updated with other version, other editions and he's actually written more books since then. He's, he's just a brilliant brand strategist. But the reason why um, eating the big fish stands out to me is because it's all about how do challenger brands, uh, you know, take down the established leaders in their categories. And I think it's so important when you're an entrepreneur to be aware of the fact that you can indeed, you know, make a difference even though you're a small startup. That by thinking about your business differently by seizing, you know, some specific opportunities that he points out in the book, and really, again, being very clear about what you stand for and, and willing to um, stick to it, uh, you know, almost at all costs. I think um, really he, he shows how that um, it can establish you as a leader in your field. You may not end up being the market share leader because you know you still might be a very small company, but you can definitely be like the thought leader in your category where you are actually shaking things up and having making your customers think about things differently and reconsider, you know, why do I buy from this, you know, established company when I have other alternatives that are uh, more aligned with my values and offer me a better value. Wow, that's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, so Eating the Big Fish by Adam Morgan and then What Great Brands Do by yours truly. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have my own copy of What Great Brands Do here on my coffee table, actually. I love oh, it. Oh. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. So thank you so much for that. That's great. And now at the end, we always ask our guests to challenge our audience to um, do something that will make an impact in their business based on your area of expertise. So tell us what sacrifice the sacred means, your challenge. Yes. When you focus, you naturally have to sacrifice some things. 
when you decide you're going to do one thing, that means that you decide to say no to nine other things. And um, oftentimes, the best companies are built when you uh, make the trade-off in a very, uh, very surprising, unconventional way. And probably the most well-known example that I can point to is Southwest Airlines. You know, when they started, they sacrificed all the the sacred ways that airlines make profits. You know, they didn't have first class. They didn't serve meals. You know, they, they didn't have all these like elaborate perks and things like that. And it was interesting because when they first started, people like kind of wrote them off saying there's no way that you can run an airline without using those conventional drivers of profit and growth. And yet, look how South, how successful Southwest has been. And they are, I think, if not the most, one of the most profitable airlines in the business today. And in part, that can be attributed just by them being willing to sacrifice the sacred and saying, you know what, we believe in this business model. And despite everyone's challenges and, and derision, we're going to continue on the path that we believe is right. So, um, you know, I think that when you're an entrepreneur, you don't lack for opportunity. There are all sorts of things that you could do. What you need to ask yourself is, what are we made to do? And what should we do? And when you approach your business from that lens, I think if uh, it requires you to focus and sacrifice, but I think you build a stronger brand as a result. Oh, I so agree with that. That that's funny. I had I was having a conversation with Brandon Hawk. He's a, a business coach and speaker as well. And he, um, him and I were talking about this. There is never a shortage of opportunities that somehow fly in the face of of startup founders, and it's so 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 difficult to say no to 98% of them so that you can keep your focus on, you know, what you're working on and maybe entertain the 2% that might, might be real home runs. So you're right. That that's incredibly difficult. How do you go about saying no to some of those things and sticking with it? Cause that's really scary. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to have the clarity up front. I mean, you have to say, you know, this is what we believe in. This is what we value. This is our purpose. Um, again, you know, this is what we are made to do and, 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 you know, write it down, have that, you know, and have everyone who's working on your business, whether it's, you know, you and your partner, or maybe, you know, you, if you have partners or suppliers or, you know, uh, distributors or whomever, have everyone understand with clarity, this is, you know, this is what your brand is all about. And then, you know, as I said before, kind of use your brand as a filter. Always have that be the, your guiding light. Um, I had mentioned Shake Shack, the burger and shake chain in, in New York City. And I was speaking uh, with the CEO, Randy Garuti, uh, a couple months ago. I was in his office in New York. And you know, he still has the napkin that he had kind of sketched out the, the idea for Shake Shack on you know, many years ago, he has that like framed on his wall so that every time he's faced with a decision, you know, it kind of reminds him, okay, let's go back to the basics. Let's, let's make sure that we are doing what we intended to do. And so it's kind of keeping, keeping that up front and center. And, you know, as you grow, you'll need to create tools and methods to share that understanding and make sure you keep it up front um, you know, with your employees, um, you know, so that they, they can continue to make the same decisions. But so it starts with the clarity and then always, you know, keep that in the, in the forefront of your decision making. Wow. I love that. 
That is awesome. I love chatting with you, Denise. Um, <laughs> you're always so much fun to talk with. And for everyone else, you can go to deniseleon.com. It'll be in the show notes page. And ch- please check out her book, What Great Brands Do. And Denise, I hope that we have you on again. I just love chatting with you. And we will be talking soon. Thanks a lot, Stephanie. I am such a great fan of Chic CEO and you, and, and and what a great brand you've developed. So congratulations. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I, thank you. Talk to you soon. All, All right. right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Top 3 Podcast. If you're looking to start a business, come on over to chic-ceo.com to get all of the information you need to get moving. If you're looking to grow your existing business, you aren't quite ready for a business coach, but you know you need some higher level business strategy, the Chic Elite program is a perfect fit. So head on over to chic-ceo.com to check out all the resources and for the show notes to today's episode.